Please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for uh, the songs and your people, Lord God. Thank you for bringing all of us here tonight to give us the privilege to worship you without fearing for our lives, Lord God. Thank you for everything that you've given us this week. I pray right now, Lord God, for the Sunday school teachers. Please give them the patience and the wisdom that they need for the children, your next church, Lord God. I pray for those children, Lord, that they will, uh, they will continue to fall in love with you as they get to know more of you. And Lord, I pray for your message tonight. I pray that you continue to speak through me to your people here at this church, Lord God. I pray for salvation for those who are lost. I pray for healing for those who are sick, both physically and spiritually. And I pray, Father God, for restoration for broken relationships. And I pray, Lord God, that uh, you speak through me um, and override my preparations, Lord God. That you and you alone speak to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Good evening again. And tonight, once the screen is ready, um, <laughs> all right, our title is, um, I titled our message, I Am the Power. If you guys are, were like me back in the 80s, you watched cartoons, and one of the cartoons that I used to watch was He-Man, Masters of the Universe. And this is when uh, he lifts up his sword, when uh, he, he needs to turn into He-Man, he lifts up the sword, and he says, by the power of grace call. And then he says that he turns into this, you know, football player, you know, and then he says, I am the power. Then he has his pet tiger that's kind of wimpy, but then as soon as he gives him the power to, this guy turns into a beast, and then they save the day. And that always amazed me. Superheroes always amazed me when I was younger because they seem to always have the power to solve people's problems, to get people out of trouble. Do you agree? And that's why I think up to now the popular movies that are being always recreated, I don't know how many Spider-Mans you can watch and how many remakes they can do of it, and Batmans too. But the reason why the world is so amazed and mesmerized with superheroes is because of the fact that we need a savior because we know that deep inside us we need help and we need that power or somebody powerful to get us out of our trouble. Okay, as, um, as we are still in our study in the book of Galatians, I, we're going to be tackling, are, are we okay here? It says it's overheating. All right, we'll worry about it when it burns. <laughs> if you could please turn your Bibles or Bible apps, uh, because the slide is missing on Galatians 5, 22 to 23. That verse reads, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance in some versions, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Every believer is given the Holy Spirit. As a result, every believer is empowered by the Holy Spirit. We all know that, right? The moment that a person surrendered their life to Christ and accepted Him as their Lord because they saw their need 
for a savior from the consequences of their sin. The Holy Spirit indwells in that person. And with that indwelling comes power from the Holy Spirit. But there's, there's a catch. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit so long as you are walking or obeying the Holy Spirit. If you are not obedient, then there's the Holy Spirit cannot force you. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit that we just read will not be showing in your life. Let me just clear some terms here. The fruits of the Spirit with the letter S, which we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, is not what we're talking about tonight. The fruits of the Spirit is the capabilities and abilities given to the believer by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we're not talking about that. The gift of the Holy Spirit, which is, we're going to read it in one of the verses later, which is in Acts 2.38, where Peter mentioned that the Holy Spirit is God's gift to us. So we're not talking about the gift, which is the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit we read nine things, correct? We, we read nine traits, but that is one. Those all come from the Holy Spirit. Those are all the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You just don't get one or the other. The fruit of the Spirit is all nine of that. It's the visible growth of Jesus Christ. Visible growth of other believer in Jesus Christ. In the, it's a biblical term that sums up the nine visible attributes of a true Christian. Amen? Okay, all right, so hopefully that helps. It'll be clear terms. I'm hoping that it helps. But at the same time, what I want us to discuss tonight are three things. I want for us to know, for, for you guys who know it, it's a review. For those of you who don't know, we're going to know who the Holy Spirit is. We're going to know Him. And we're going to know His purpose in a believer. And we're going, to be, we're going to learn how to and why we need to live powered or empowered by Him tonight. Those are the three things we're going to tackle tonight. Because as if you go back to your Bibles or your Bible app, it says there, but the fruit of the Spirit. Then it gives you all the fruit. I want us to know the source, the Spirit. Don't you agree? I don't know if, do you guys remember the name, or, or are you familiar with the name Ben Johnson? Ben Johnson, in 1988, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the Olympics, is a Canadian track and field runner. He won the Olympic gold against Carl Lewis, the favorite one, the USA runner. He won it, and what, he recorded the fastest time ever. Only for weeks later to lose the medal because he cheated. He used the steroids, which is not allowed to be used in professional sports, especially that one. I know they use it, but some of them get away. But this guy didn't get away at that time. So he had extra power by the steroids that he took. Extra power. You know, if you take steroids right now, it doesn't make you run faster. Okay, let's just make that clear. If you're thinking about, oh, wait, that's my answer to my problem. I'm a slow guy. Let me take steroids. No. The steroids will actually increase your energy so you can continue to work out. 
so you can strengthen the muscles that you need to strengthen for whatever sport that you are trying to do. That's the steroids, that's the point of the steroid. But the steroid, it runs out. The Holy Spirit that indwells in the Spirit continues to live in the believer. The Holy Spirit is, this is our, our first point now. The first point is, who is the Holy Spirit? I don't have that slide too, but who is the Holy Spirit? All right. We're missing a few slides. So um, the first point, this is not, that's not it. Please bear with me. I took on a new program. Uh, it works perfectly fine with me. <laughs> but then when I pass it along, it doesn't, uh, doesn't work out as planned. Please turn your Bibles to John 14, 26. The first point is, who is the Holy Spirit? It reads here, but when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Oh, it's up here in the screen. So. In John 16, 7, 7 it's, it reads, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the helper, will not come to you. But if I go, this is Jesus speaking, I will send him, talking about the Holy Spirit, to you. And in Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In 829, the Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. In Acts 5, 3, 4, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Spirit? You have not lied to men, but to God. As a church here, we believe that the Holy Spirit is equal with God the Father and God the Son. And this of the same essence. Yet, the Holy Spirit has a distinct ministry. Scripture describes, or the Bible tells us, that the Holy Spirit, it describes Him in personal terms. Not in an impersonal force. It, the Holy Spirit is not an it, or is not a thing. It's a Him, it's a person. When it says, if you read the, the verses again, it says, He teaches, He guides, He comforts, and intercedes. The Holy Spirit possesses emotions, and it has intellect, and it has His will. The Holy Spirit spoke to Philip, and it was sinned against and lied to. And then Peter said, you did not lie to men, but to God, recognizing that the Holy Spirit is God. Amen? The, scripture, the scriptures also attest to the deity of the Holy Spirit. He is spoken of as God and is identified with the title of Jehovah. The Christian, you, the believer, who is indwelt by the Spirit, you are indwelt by God. 
That truth alone should change a lot of things for you, believer. The helper, God, the Holy Spirit is in you. He is called a helper. Are you in trouble? Is there anything that you need? Are you sick? Is there, if we're sick, we call the doctors, correct? Before, hopefully it's not so serious that we call 911. But when we're in trouble, we're quick to call for help. We call our friends, our loved ones, if we're in trouble, no matter what it is. But I wonder, are we quick to call on the, the helper, the Holy Spirit? And mind you, that the Holy Spirit, the God that we were talking about, it lives in us. If there is anything in your life that you are living not according to God's will, that should rattle you. That should, that should shake you to the bone. Because God the Holy Spirit is living in you and you are doing something that is against God's will. And, there, and, and if there is something that you haven't done and you know He has called you to do and you are, your reason is, well, I can't do it because I'm not capable of doing it, that should, again, rattle you too. That should bother you because you're saying that the Holy Spirit that's living in you is not powerful enough to make you do or have you do and accomplish that calling that He has asked you to, to answer or that need that He has called you to, to, to do. Right? Most of us believers, we're quick to say, I can't do it. That's right. You can, but the Holy Spirit that lives in you can. Do we agree? Amen. I hope you hear your answer. That your answer when you come to a, when you face doubts again after after this meeting and you go out this building again and you face a big challenge and you can, and you're gonna hear yourself say I can't do it. You're gonna have to. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit reminds you. No, no, no. I live in you. You have the power through the Holy Spirit. That lives in you. You have the power to stop that, to cut off the fleshly desires that you once lived by or lived with and recognize that you are now a new creation indwelt by the powerful Holy Spirit that is always there trying to sanctify you, sanctifying you, changing you, giving you the power that you need. That is the Holy Spirit. Now, next time when you doubt yourself, believer, call me and I'll remind you who's in you. And then we can hang up just that quick. Okay? Or send me a text. Who's in me again? The Holy Spirit is in you. We're going to talk about the second purpose of the Holy Spirit. Um. Okay, second purpose of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of, the of God, the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 8, 11, it reads, The Spirit will come and show the people of this world the truth about sin and God's justice and the judgment. The Spirit will show them that they are wrong about sin. Because they did not have faith in me. This is Jesus speaking. They are wrong about God's justice because I am going to the Father and you won't see me again. And they 
are wrong about the, the judgment because God has already judged the ruler of this world. In John 3, 5, 7, it reads, Jesus answered, I tell you for certain that before you can get into God's kingdom, you must be born not only by water, but by the Spirit. Humans give, their, give life to their children, yet only God's Spirit can change you into a child of God. Don't be surprised when I say that you must be born from above or born again. The work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament differs from His work in the New Testament. The possession of the Holy Spirit by the believer back in the Old Testament was not permanent in every case. You can read that in Psalm 51.11 when David wrote and he probably remembered on what happened to Saul. Where he said, Lord, don't let your spirit leave me. And then, and then the, the role of the, the Holy Spirit recorded in, the, in Genesis 1-2 where he was part of the creation of the world. That's the Holy Spirit. That's his purpose in the Old Testament. His purpose now is as we read that in John 16, 8-11. If you re received Jesus before, that wasn't... If the Holy Spirit did not reveal that truth to you... You would have not done it. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth to the unbeliever. The Holy Spirit today plays a major role in the application of salvation to the individual. It is the Spirit who brings conviction to the unbeliever and causes him or her to see the truth of the gospel in a clear light. That's why when you share the gospel to somebody and they can't understand it, and then you share it to somebody else, and then all of a sudden they got it, you use the same verse, you express the same thing, but for some odd reason, somebody rejected it and the other accepted it. It's because the Holy Spirit revealed it to one person and that, weren't, and that one person surrendered to that truth. Those who respond to this conviction and place their faith in Jesus Christ, receive eternal life, and becomes a new creation. And they, be, they receive a new nature in them, which is what we're going to be tackling in the next few weeks. We're going to be tackling all of those nine traits from the fruit of the Spirit, one by one. Since we did it for this uh, uh, sinful nature, we're going to have to do it for the <laughs> Spirit's nature, the new nature. So that we will all be encouraged. The Holy Spirit unites the believer with Christ. And places him in the body of Christ and the church. This church. It's the Holy Spirit that brought us all here together. Where we become a body. Some are feet. Some are the hands. Some are the eyes. Some are the ears. Correct? <laughs> some are... No. <laughs> That's fine. I'll behave. <laughs> the Holy Spirit unites the believer with Christ and places him in the body of Christ, the church. He, the Holy Spirit, also unites the believer with Christ in his death, enabling him to live victoriously over sin. Can we all say amen to that? When you accepted Christ as your Lord, you died with the Lord too. Your old self died with Christ. But then when he resurrected, you resurrected too with your new creation. 
And look at what Paul said in Titus. He saved us, speaking about Jesus, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy, God's mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us a new life, folks. Yes, we are saved by grace, not by works. But accept Christ, as we accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells in each and every believer, which compels you. It should compel us to live, to live out the fruit of the Holy Spirit if we are walking ever so closely with Him. We are not to stay in our old sinful ways. And the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers us. This, that's our third point. Live empowered by Him. Let's see if I get the right verse in the next one. Galatians 5, 24-25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Again, there you go. I think that's so self-explanatory verse. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, every believer must, must go to the, to the cross. Every believer must crucify his or her fleshly desires and your passions. That is where the rubber meets the road. We all love the fact that we're all going to be in heaven because of what Christ has done on the cross for us. What we don't like is us giving up what we are so used to in doing and in having. Lust is this. I want it now and I'm going to get it. That's lust. Lust doesn't necessarily mean a, a, a sexual lust. It can be a material lust. It could be a relationship lust. I want to be liked now. <laughs> I want it now. That's lust right there. We need to give that up. That's why when we say we need to be renewed, right? By the re we need to be continuously be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Because everything that, uh, that we were raised to, to believing, uh, we were told when we believe in Christ, it's, the exact opposite of what the world has completely told us all our lives. And we must crucify the flesh and the desires and passions of it. Because if we live by the Spirit, we are told to keep up with the Spirit. Keep in step right next to. The Holy Spirit controls the believer, the one who yields to Him and submits to Him. Now, if you don't, then it will not force you. The Holy Spirit is the one that, that, that tells you. And you know when you have that, that, when it feels like you're not complete, when you're hungry, or when you're physically hungry, don't you feel uneasy? There's something missing. For those of you who work too much overtime and you forget to eat, right? And you forget to go on your breaks because you're too busy. That feeling, you know that feeling? Spiritually, you will feel that. Spiritually, folks, you will also feel that if you are not reading God's Word, if you are not filling up the Holy Spirit that lives in you, if you are not being in fellowship, 
if you are not praying, if you are not studying His Word, you will feel that longing. Well, at least you should. If you are not feeling it, then there's something wrong. You got a bigger problem. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will only control the believer who yields and submits to Him and to God's Word. When these conditions are met, the believer lives in the power of the Spirit and produces, produces the fruit of the Spirit. Again, what are the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's singular fruit made out of many. Right? If you guys know uh, the dragon fruit, you know the dragon fruit? It's in, it's in Asia. It's very expensive here, so I, I don't eat it. <laughs> I'm cheap. <laughs> but I heard that with that fruit comes so many vitamins that can protect us from a lot of sickness. There are fruits that are made that way. Don't you agree? And the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is made out of these nine traits that proves to us and to the people that are watching us that we are of Christ. Amen? That we are a new creation. Now, you just, you do, it's a step. It's a process. It's a, the process is as you surrender to the yielding of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will produce the fruit, His fruit in your life. Now, the question to you is, well, if you're not producing it, the answer is you're probably not walking with the Spirit. You're probably not yielding to the Spirit. Don't you agree? That could be it. That's the only reason why. If you're irritable, then you, love, you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Because you're, if you're not patient, and you're going to say, oh, I'm married. <laughs> okay. There you go. That's your excuse. <laughs> if if, uh, if, you're, if you're not faithful, well, you don't know who my wife is. <laughs> if you're not gentle, well, you don't know who my husband is. All right? we, can, we can argue with the fruit of the Spirit, with our fleshly desire. But we have to know that the Spirit produces these things if we yield and submit to Him. Let's look at another verse. This is a lot right here. This is Romans 6, 1 to 10. I will not read the whole thing, but if you take it home, read Romans 6, 1 to 10 and examine it on your own. But I want to read this line in verse 4. We were therefore buried with Him, with Christ, through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The point of Christ dying on the cross to save us from our sins is that we don't stay in our sinful ways. That we live a new life glorifying Him. Amen? We live a new life so that we become a blessing to others that still need to surrender their lives to Christ. We weren't saved so we can stay the same way. If you look at the first line, Paul said, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Absolutely not. So if you've been thinking and you've believed the, the, the lie that once saved, always saved, and I could continue to sin 
and sin and sin, enjoy my sinful ways and enjoy heaven later. And that's not the truth. The truth is not in you. Because the Holy Spirit, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will, will tell you, will whisper ever so gently, I want you to live for me. Verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. If we died with Christ, and then he resurrected on the third day, now we accepted, an, uh, Jesus. our Jesus is alive, amen? And we live with him. The Holy Spirit that is in us, lives in us, and we have to live a victorious life over sin. Verse 9, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So if we are to be like Christ, in this church we say to become like Christ, we are to live our lives for God. Amen? And how do we do that? By yielding to the Spirit and let the Spirit produce its fruit in our lives. Amen? All right, I'm going to, next verse, next slide, please. Uh, no, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Thank you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? I know we tackled Corinthians First and Second Corinthians before, and it helps for us to be reminded that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you? Again, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit is in, is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were paid with a price. Amen? So if you think you can accept Christ and live on your own, live for your own ways, you're wrong. You are no longer yours. If you accept Jesus as your Lord, you're Jesus' slaves, supposedly. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. Ephesians 4.30. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, too, right here. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. When we sin, we Grieve the Holy Spirit. Remember, He has identified you, talking about the Holy Spirit, as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit that lives in the, the believer, you are sealed by the Spirit. You are sealed forever by the Spirit. He secured you for eternity. Romans 8, 9, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you. And then the opposite is true. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ in them do not belong to Him at all. And they are under the control of their sinful nature. So the question to the believer is, to whom, to whose control are you in? What's controlling your life? Who's controlling your life? Is it your sinful nature or is it your new nature? 
Not to the believer that doesn't walk this life perfectly. And if you've been a believer even for a week, you know that the Christian life, right? It's been said that the Christian life is not difficult. Can you say amen? No, 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 no. It's not difficult. It's impossible, <laughs> right? Living the Christian life is impossible. There is no way you can live this life perfectly. There is no way. But praise God that the Holy Spirit has sealed us from that moment they accepted Christ as your Lord until God takes you to your glorified body. It's going to be an up and down, all the way to heaven journey for you. But Paul understood it, and we understand it, that some of us might take that truth as a license to sin. Just because we know it, that we are saved, once saved, always saved, we continue to live in our sinful ways. And that's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying that you are not controlled by your sinful nature. So what is it? What sin is it that you haven't given up? That you're probably losing your testimony to other people. I know I picked on a lot about the vices that I used to do. I, I like to make fun of myself, if you, if you know me, right? I, I, I used to smoke, I used to drink, and all those other things that we discussed for many weeks. But there's also one thing that I want us to discuss here. How about self-control? How about the show of lack of self-control in a believer? As simple as this. As simple as me eating a cupcake here in front of you right now. And some of you guys will think, what's a cupcake? Cupcake's okay, Joe. I love that. I love cupcakes. Me too. But then last two weeks ago, my doctor said that I'm borderline diabetic. Apparently, I'm too sweet. <laughs> yep. Ask Analu. <laughs> yep. Apparently, I'm too sweet. So I was told by the doctors, you have to cut down on your sugar intake or else. And you can fill in the blank, right? So what if you knowing that truth now and I pull, not a beer bottle this time, but a cupcake and start eating it? Not one, not two, but six. You guys are going to think, this guy has no self-control, right? You're going to think that. This guy has no self-control. He wants to kill himself, correct? So in that simple way, I'm losing my testimony. Now, it's not because I want to stay healthy. I want to be healthy, but I like my sweets too. But more than anything, Paul said, if I'm going to eat or drink and have, some, and have somebody stumble, I'd rather not eat or drink because of that. So guess what? I will eat my sweets in my bedroom by myself <laughs> at nighttime when nobody's watching. <laughs> not in front of you. <laughs> no, but... The, the, the point is, the point is the, the testimony. We need to hold on to that testimony. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And people know that we are believers, hopefully, and he, they are watching us. And to the point of Ephesians 4.30 and Romans 8.9, the Holy Spirit indwells the believer or lives in the believer permanently. While the child of God may sin and grieve the Spirit, which if we're all going to be honest, we do it, right? 
Some of us will say all the time, the Spirit will never leave the true believer. Now, I kind of said the same thing too. A true believer is not free from sinning. Because we will all stumble. Absence of the Holy Spirit is the mark of the unsaved. That's the difference. Because now that you're a believer, and when you sin, the Holy Spirit convicts you. Why am I even bothered by a cupcake now? Who could care? I could care less before. But now I'm thinking about my testimony. Somebody sees me eating this cupcake, they're going to think. Right? So the mark of the unbeliever is the lack of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit seals the believer. The ministry, his ministry, the Holy Spirit's ministry, ministry guarantees the security of the believer until the day of redemption. The real change in the believer happens from the inside out. Not like religion, which is outside and then hopefully within. This, is, this happens from the inside out. But without the Holy Spirit, the inside of a person, as Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, which is the heart, the heart, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, and all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. So the Holy Spirit that indwells the, the believer is the one that changes us from the inside out. And as we continue to obey it, His fruit will come out of us. So the recap. First, God, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. The third person in the triune God lives in you. And the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's a person. This is the third person in the triune God. Secondly, the fruit of the Spirit are the Holy Spirit's fruit found in the life of the believer. You will see the fruit of the Spirit in every believer. At least you should be. They are not our own fruit or else it will be called the fruit of the disciple. Instead of fruit of the Spirit. We can do nothing without the Lord. Jesus said that, right? If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5, right? So that's what the Holy Spirit is. The more we remain in the Spirit, we will have the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Now, how do we summarize the fruit of the Spirit? We summarize it in 1 Corinthians 13, 31. And it is love. Love sums up the whole law of the, and the prophets. It sums it up. Love is the most excellent way. Love is proven true by its actions, not by feelings. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. If you love God, you will obey His commands. If you love God with your entire being, you are looking to read His Word. You are looking for fellowship with other believers. You are loving to other believers. If you love God, you will obey Him. And as you obey Him, the fruit of the Spirit comes out of you. Jesus said we would know people by their fruits, not their gifts. Matthew 7, 16-23. People will know we are Jesus' disciples by our love. 
John 13.35 The fruit are evidence of godly character in a disciple's life because they can only grow out of a life that is dead to self. The fruit of the Spirit will only come out from a person who is dead to himself, to his old ways, his own selfish ways. By that time, then, the, that, that, then and only then will the Spirit live out through that person. That surrender must happen, that crucifixion of your lust and your passions and your sinful desires must happen before the Spirit can come out with its fruit. The way we know if we are living our life by the Spirit is by observing the fruit of our life. Those fruit, again, are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And while we should eager, eagerly desire greater gifts from the Spirit, the one with the S, the fruits, so that we can build up the body, we should be more concerned that we walk in the love of God. We need to be walking and exercising the love of God and, and, and our life produces the Holy Spirit. We can't produce the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that produces it in our lives. And that's the only way. The only way is if we are obedient to Him, if we are loving Him. Without the fruit of love growing out of our hearts, everything else would be worthless. Without the fruit of love coming out of our hearts, everything else will be worthless. Because if we don't love God, we won't be obedient. If we're not obedient, the Holy Spirit cannot force and will not force us to obey Him. And the fruit that we mentioned repeatedly tonight will not be shown in your life. So knowing that the Holy Spirit lives in you, the power greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. Believers, stop living a defeated life. If you have been walking and living this whole week, defeated in your sins and thinking that there is no other way for you to get out of it, you are not depending on the power of the Spirit that is living in you. You just need to give up the sin that you are holding on to. Let it go and let God take control of your life. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your lesson, Lord God, of the Holy Spirit that lives in us, Lord God. We believe in you, Father God. We believe that the power that is living in us is, 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 is great. We pray, Father God, that we will live like it. That we will live with that, with that truth, with that knowledge. That we will be able to just let go of our sinful ways or the things that, are, that we're holding on to that's displeasing you. It's time for us, Lord God, to continue to say that we can't do it, but you can. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord God. I pray that you will give them that wisdom. 
that the knowledge that they have heard tonight about you, the truth that they have learned about you, they will be able to apply it in their lives, Lord God. I pray for blessings for them, Lord. I pray that they will continue to delight in you. I pray that they will have that thirst and hunger for you, to know more about you, to fall more in love with you. Because we know, Lord God, if we are if we are loving you, we will be obedient to your commands. Forgive us, Lord, for all, all of our shortcomings. And Father, I pray for those who need your help, Lord God. Rescue them. And I pray for blessings for everyone, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.